Welcome into Two for One Drafts. Austin Gill here, the host of Two for One Drafts, a rookies and draft prospects podcast. I'm here with my guy, Mike Renner, ready to rip it up on a bonus listener mailbag. We are going to get through your listener questions. And if you need to get a question answered, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, and put your question in there. We're going to be cranking out these mailbag episodes until we get through all of your questions. We're also going to touch a little bit on the Dak Prescott news, the new contract there in Dallas, and also... Trent Brown is gone, Gabe Jackson is gone, Richie Incognito, LaMarcus Joyner. Just got to touch a little bit on the Raiders roster building disaster of late. Let's get it. Ripping the smelling salts before the podcast has become a ritual. And honestly, I don't know if I can do life without it anymore. I know I know how football NFL players feel now. It's like you got it. It gets you there. It takes you there. And I, I've, Where you ripped, be. I've ripped on Adam Gase before, you know, but maybe he was on something, yeah. honestly, because ripping the smelling salts was before a preseason game is where this really all first started for me is realizing like there's an opportunity to leverage these. This again, this podcast is sponsored by whatever brand smelling salts those are. Uh, I know you wanted to start with a little bit of a story here, a little bit of an update on your dating life. Yeah, I hinted at it yesterday, and now I have a little more clarity on said situation. This is hilarious. So I'm going to give the full (laughs) breakdown here. If you guys recall back, we talked about this two weeks ago on the Wednesday pod. I went on a date and how that went and whatnot. But you gave a little more details about this date than I that I was willing sorry I mentioned her age would have liked to have given and so that was two Wednesdays ago that was last Wednesday that Wednesday the next day that Thursday I get a text from my ex-girlfriend I haven't talked to her in a month and a half text scene whatever out of the blue and I'm like wow that's weird timing day after I go on a date with someone and after you talk about it on the pod I get a text from her saying and the tone of the text suggested to me that something was a little bit amiss. I'll just say, can't reveal what had actually happened there. And so then uh, the day after that, the Friday, my one of my friends actually sees her, my ex's sister out at a bar, starts talking to her. And then on Sunday, so I had known that the girl I went on a date with followed my ex and my ex's sister on Instagram. Now, this is Cincinnati, small town that happens a lot. It's not uncommon to see. Still something you hate to see. And then on that Sunday, my sister posted on Instagram. She's younger. They're the same age as the girl I wanted to date with. And the girl I wanted to date with commented on this Instagram post. And here's when I knew I was in fucking trouble. Was liked by my ex-sister, obviously, and my ex. And my ex didn't like any of the other comments on this post. And that's when I'm like, oh no, oh buddy. Something is amiss here. And so then at that point, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, something little off here. So I unfollow my ex and my ex-sister on Instagram just as like a, you know, kind of a warning shot. A millennial warning shot. Millennial warning shot. That next day, that Monday, this is a week ago, I get a text from my ex asking why I unfollowed her and my, her sister on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, someone's looking at who I follow on Instagram? Uh-oh. Why would that be? Why, why ever would you be doing that? And so I'm in my head right now. I'm like, shit, something went south. Something was said here. 
that is not good. And that, and so then that later that week, so later last week, that my friend who I said met my ex sister at the bar has been talking to her, and she brings up my ex sister. She's like, "Do you know about Mike and the girl I went on a date with?" And I'm like, "Oh fuck!" The fact she knows like this deep after literally one date, nothing more after that. I was in Charleston that one weekend. I wasn't even here. Not good. Not good at all. And apparently, like, asked a few more questions, a few more prying questions since then that are unfortunate. And so then Saturday, obviously, my buddy is now talking to this girl. I go out with him and see her because she's there, too. And I ask her about it, and she will not give me a straight answer. Everything was cool. It seemed fine. No hard feelings whatsoever. I have no hard feelings towards them at all. I thought we were cool. But will not, like, I asked you, did you say something? Did something happen here? Won't tell me. And at that point, I'm like, oh, I am fucked. You're yeah, out. I'm out. I'm just, I'm fucked. Uh, so then Sunday, I texted the girl again. I went on a date with no response. Left yesterday. on red. Mike Renner, the Mike Renner left on red. Yesterday, made a, made a play. It was a power move. A play. It was a heavy-handed text. Got let down easy. And so there I am, square one. If anything, if anyone can take take something away from that, people listen. That it's your fault. That no, you it's, got your big mouth. It's not my fault that I made a joke about how old the chick you went on a date on. That's the same age as the younger sister of the chick you were last dating, okay, which you even fair. mentioned, which is hilarious. That is. Oh. If there's anything to take away from that, outside of the complete and utter drama that is small town Cincinnati, is that if Mike Renner can be let down, you guys can rally okay if mike renner the god that my, that is mike renner can be let down you guys can, i'm can, i'm out the dating game for a little bit yeah i'm, I'm gonna to take be. a hiatus yeah i'm gonna go back Dude, you're to a guy board. down bad right now no, i'm not down bad at all i'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a i'm taking a hiatus all right let's get <laughs> off the dating stories till, and let's jump pulls. into recent news and then the mailbag questions i want to first start obviously with the dak prescott contract the yes. that is like the biggest pressing news because we have the dak prescott contract Isaiah Wilson getting traded for a seventh round swapping of picks and also like the recent Raiders disaster of a roster building situation that I want to discuss. But yeah. Dak Prescott, let's start there. Your opinion of the new deal, what this means for Dak Prescott, what this means for the Dallas Cowboys, your opinion of the decision and how likely is it that the Dallas Cowboys can actually build around Dak Prescott enough with his new contract to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, people were considering them a Super Bowl contender last year before the injury. I was one of them. I think that offense is good enough to compete. Now you have a lot of holes defensively. And unfortunately, you're not going to be able to address them for at least two years now in anything other than the draft. So this basically just means hit well on draft picks. That is your, if you are Stephen Jones, that is what you have to do now. That is all you can focus your efforts around. You're not really going to be able to maybe make some very small plays in free agency, but that's not where you're going to win from here on out. you got to make and hit on those draft picks. And the good thing, good news is you're in a good position there at pick 10 to get a prime player, to get a prime impact player. But that's what it's going to take. If you're going to win a Super Bowl, the roster's not there right now. You need to hit. So you got two years. You got a, a few year window here with the talent they have that if you draft well, you can be in that mix. But that is the biggest thing. And, that, and it's, he's not worth that deal compared to the other guys making that sort of money. He's not Sean Watson. Mm-hmm. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not in that range. But he is far better than what you're, where you could be at the quarterback position, and where would you rank it Dak gives Prescott's you a floor? Peak? What's Dak Prescott's peak? peak? His peak season. Where does he rank in the NFL among quarterbacks? Probably like seven to eight. And I still think, and I agree with you, he's like that six to eight range at the quarterback position, yeah. but still worth this contract because you can, I think, 
win with Dak Prescott if he can consistently hit in that 6-8 to eight range and you draft well, well. It's because you do have a lot of talent right now. Mm-hmm. Like if Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, if those guys are healthy and you have that group of wide receivers. You have, a vi- you have about as good a core offensively as you can have. You throw away Dak Prescott, or not throw away, but like you trade Dak Prescott or get someone else in there, a quarterback. If they're not as good as Dak Prescott, you may be costing yourself a shot at a Super Bowl window here. So this is your window. And yeah, sometimes you got to overpay a little for the window. So I, I, I don't blame them, but they definitely got a worse deal than what they could have gotten other years. If they yeah, I think that's better. the bigger story here. Not the bigger story, but the one that's getting the most press or most attention is that Dak Prescott, a former, what, fourth-round pick out of Mississippi State, yeah. bet on himself to earn big money on a multi-year contract, and, and, it, and it worked. You know, And he bet on himself, and Jerry Jones was reluctant to give him $30 million, $32 million plus per mm-hmm. year, and now he's paying him you know, $40 million with, I think, $75 million in year one, $66 million signing bonus, over, what, $123 million guaranteed? Like mm-hmm. He bet on, himself, bet on himself and won, and you just have to respect what Dak Prescott did getting this deal. And I think there's an, a kind of... The fact that no one even gives a shit about his ankle injury right now just shows you how quarterbacks retain their value. Yes. If it was any other position, he's coming off that ankle injury, you, you don't sign a deal like that. But the quarterback position, so valuable, so necessary to so many teams. Like we saw Tua go fifth overall after about as bad an injury as you can have. I, I think you're going to see more quarterbacks say, I'm going to wait. You know, if you're Josh Allen – and now he, he could be in the Patrick Mahomes sort of bucket where he loves the city, wants to stay there forever, whatever. But I think more quarterbacks can just say, I'm going to wait because price tags are only going up. And that's just the way of the world. Like We're going to sign this big money uh, media deal here in the coming years that's going to just shoot this cap through the moon. And I'm not going to sign that. If franchise tag me. I'm making a good amount of money in that franchise tag. I'm going to bet on myself the way Dak bet on himself, and that's going to pay off. Big dividends. I think you could see that with Baker, Lamar, Josh Allen, any of those guys. One more comment on the Dak Prescott stuff, and then I want to jump to Isaiah Wilson. A quick comment on Isaiah Wilson. um, You mentioned that they have to draft well, and I don't think it's as simple as hitting on every pick. You have to draft valuable positions, and we say that for everyone. But now that you're paying Dak Prescott as much as you are, Zeke is getting paid, Jalen Smith, Demarcus Lawrence, Amari Cooper – you have to make sure the guys you have in your you know, top 50, top 100 picks are drafted to valuable positions because you're not going to be able to afford to pay those positions on the open market. Like pass rushers, offensive tackles, corners and receivers, like getting those valuable positions yeah. and good ones in the early rounds is going to be so important because you need those cost-controlled rookie contracts at high-priced positions on the open market. Because yeah. if you sign or you draft a box safety in round one or a running back or an off-ball linebacker, that is not getting bang for your buck in the top 50. You yeah. need to get tackles, pass rushers, corners, receivers, these guys that do get a lot of money on their second deals, or else you're not, you're not making the best of the situation. Not only do you have to hit, you have to hit on valuable picks. So I do think the Dallas Cowboys would be smart to take that strategy as they approach yeah, future mean, drafts in this window. window. Pen in Farley, Sertan right yeah. now. Like that, that's got to be where they go, Makes I think, sense. at this point. All right, let's jump to Isaiah Wilson. What is your opinion on this? And and kind of, I, I think I saw someone tweet out that John Robinson is a magician for getting anything in return for Isaiah Wilson. I don't know if magician label is great for him right now because obviously taking Isaiah Wilson in the first and and watching him completely go down the drain is mm-hmm. is unfortunate. And some people are saying it's bad luck, Isaiah Wilson. You blame the player. Again, I, I always say this. Players do not bust. 
Teams bust. You overdrafted Isaiah Wilson. You put that pressure on him, and then he did not develop accordingly. I was going to say, so I'm not going to beat my chest and be like, oh, we had Isaiah Wilson 110th on our board. What a call by us. Because it wasn't because of the talent. Exactly. It it wasn't because of the talent that he busted. It was because of the off-field. But I I do think there is something to the guys who are less developed in college, maybe projects, why are they less developed? Is it work ethic? Is it because they didn't want, because they didn't want to put in the time to develop? Or is it because maybe they are raw and are new to the game or whatever? Are there valid reasons for why they are underdeveloped in college? Is I think where it comes back to for Isaiah Wilson, in retrospect, probably looks like it's because of work ethic. But yeah, I don't know. But I mean, he was a developmental project. Where you have to, if a guy is a developmental project, that is when you have to go and find out the psyche behind that guy and get a better psychological evaluation of will this guy put in the work will this guy does he love the game at that point those are the guys you need to do that sort of background and homework on but he was a developmental project on the field and off the field and i do think that the tennessee titans if they did all this off-field evaluation talked to his coaches talked to you know friends and those things and did a proper 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 background on the kid i think they should have learned that if we're going to take him highly not only do we need to invest resources in developing him on the field improving his technique improving these things we need to invest resources in developing him off the field keep him out of trouble and do these it's your things. favorite you, I, you i'm sorry you your i'm sorry personal assistance you PA need a personal assistant for isaiah wilson i don't think i don't think he has nearly as bad of a first year in tennessee if he has someone at his side and is developing him off the field and keeping him on the tracks. I don't. I think couldn't, if... It was COVID. You couldn't have someone. Maybe himself. it was COVID. I don't know. It Either way, an unfortunate situation for the Tennessee Titans. And I agree. This is not the time to pound your chest if you had a low grade on Isaiah Wilson. Like, this is not it. I do think that a lot of this That's was off the why. field and a lot of this no one saw coming. Yeah. Even even if you drafted him in the second or third round, was this, this was a bad pick. Like, no one saw this level of off-field concern with Isaiah Wilson. And I think if the Tennessee Titans didn't take him at the back end of round one, there were other teams that would have jumped on him at day two, on day two, like round two or round three. Last thing here, before we get into the listener mailbag, the bonus listener mailbag, the Raiders roster building has been very interesting. They, in the last like 72, or like the last week or so, they've cut Gabe Jackson and Richie Incognito, Tyrell Williams, LaMarcus Joyner, and traded away Trent Brown for a swapping of picks in 2022, trading Trent Brown in a seventh for the Patriots' fifth-round pick. So not even getting a full pick in return, just moving up, you know, what, 100 spots or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I just really do think you look back on that 2019 offseason where the Raiders with Gruden and Mayock, you know, made that decision to move on from Khalil Mack, invest $79.5 million in guaranteed money, in Tyrell Williams, Trent Brown, and LaMarcus Joyner to see them move on from all three of those players, not have Khalil Mack, and in return for the picks they got in the Mack trade, getting a running back, box safety, and a cornerback in Damon Arnett that now you know could still develop into a very good player, but from a process standpoint is an older prospect with a less than ideal athletic, you know, athletic profile, short arms, and some maturity concerns coming out of Ohio State. Like this process. Like, only evaluate the process. If you evaluate this mm-hmm. process of what they did and where they invested their money and what they did with those picks in the MAC trade, is arguably some of the worst process we've seen. And there's a lot of Raiders fans, because I tweeted a little bit about this this morning. There's a lot of Raiders fans that are saying, what are you talking about? You don't know what Damon Arnett could be in two or three years. You don't know what Josh Jacobs could be, and it still have been very good, and all these things. Like, you don't know until you see these guys develop, until you see Brian Edwards, because that was another player that got in the Khalil MAC trade, developing all those things. Mm-hmm. Here at PFF, and I think honestly in life, 
you need to evaluate process more than you do results. And if you, I think the greatest example is blackjack. If you ever played blackjack before, it's like playing 21, you're trying to get 21, whatever. When you have 18 and the dealer is showing 16 or 17, hitting on 18 is bad process. Good results is hitting on 18 and getting a three. But bad process is hitting on 18. I think you've seen the Las Vegas Raiders, Mayock and Gruden, hit on 18 a couple times. And that has been bad process, and it hasn't worked out. They've shot the moon and spent a lot of money on guys that have gotten them to 7-9 and nine and 8-8. Eight and eight. And that, I think, from a process standpoint, has been concerning. And the results, or the, the process has been a bit concerning, and the results have been honestly even worse. Because I honestly think the Khalil Mack trade was good process. Like, getting out of that contract, avoiding that contract and all that money for one player, and getting two first-round picks in return was very good process. The results, again, have been a bit of a concern in terms of what they've turned those picks into. I think the most concerning one to me is the joiner signing. They signed a guy who was in LA, a free safety. It was a deep safety. That 58191 coming out of Florida State, he's a deep safety is where he played for the Los Angeles Rams. That was his best role. That's where he made his plays. They signed him to then play him at slot cornerback. A completely different role. And then when he sucks there, is not good there, cut him after two years. Like that is where we talk about bad process to to try to big money make a big money signing for a guy who you don't have a role for, who does not fit the position you want him to play in your defense. I think that's the more concerning thing because then you're not you're not necessarily evaluating the skill correctly around the league. And that's that's only gonna lead to you said, oh, they just got unlucky. It's like, if that's what you're consistently going to be doing, that's not going to lead to good results. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing that I saw too, where, you know, the Khalil Mack trade, and I've even said this before, was a good decision from a process standpoint. And then Raiders fans have said, they just got unlucky in the draft and free agency. If that was all luck, what are we even doing here? You know, if all those decisions were just like unfortunate circumstances of those guys not panning out, like, what are we even doing here? Like, so, at some point, you have to be held accountable for some of the decisions you made. And I think there's, like I said, the one I think there's a handful of good decisions in the last three years that I think have like panned out, or or would you I would call a good process one the Khalil Mack trade trading two first round picks and mm-hmm. getting what they got in return two and at first this was a pretty significant reach but I do feel like in hindsight was like not terrible the Colton Miller pick Colton Miller was a reach on PFF's board but at least he was athletic and a valuable position they've had a starting left tackle that has missed very few snaps in his tenure on a rookie deal for. You know, two or three years now. Like that is very valuable. In hindsight, those might have been the two best decisions. And then the Maurice Hurst pick as well. Three best decisions the Raiders have made. All the other ones since then have you've really struggled to see value in those pro- in that process and those results. So let's move off now. The recent news, the Raiders news, Dak Prescott, Isaiah Wilson, and get into this mailbag. We have a fun one to start here. And we're going to continue to get through this mailbag. Remember, if you want your mailbag questions answered, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Drop your question in there. We will get to them. It's a grind. We're doing two episodes a week now, two mailbags a week to catch up, but we will get to them eventually. This one's from Football Guy 1289 We hear a lot about my guy's date stories. If you had to write a date profile for your fellow host, how would it go? Would love to hear a prospect rating, some strength and weaknesses, and maybe some fits slash projections at the next level. You go first. So I'm terrible at these. I was telling you earlier that even mine for myself was pretty broke. Back when I had dating apps, it was like sports and stuff. It was was just said sports and stuff, was what my was. It was. I rely, that was low effort. I mean, that's kind of how I live a lot of my life. But 
uh, for you. So I struggled to come up with one. Um, I, I, I went with the joke here, though. I said, must be 18 or older to ride the mustache as the one. I like that. It's not bad. I right? think that's funny. Yeah. Not everyone's, it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but neither I am I. Yeah. You know, I think that's good. I wrote here, I think you in your dating profile, you're going to kind of go for a joke as well, something kind of funny, but it's also going to be like a humble brag in a way. Mm-hmm. So I went, I've never lost in trivia and can dunk a basketball. Hashtag. Hashtag Bachelorette 2018 rose emoji to okay. show that you were in the Bachelorette. All right. I like I like sports and stuff better than that. That's fair. No, <laughs> that I, I mean, I was trying to think of something that made sense, but I do agree that like yours would have been something low effort like sports and stuff. Yeah. And my biggest strength for you, conversational energy. Wow. Bring it. My biggest weakness for you, personal style. And I wrote here in quote or in parentheses, you look like a coffee house come to life. I think those are very accurate. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with either of those. I think conversation, it's why I struggle on the dance floor. You know, if like, like if I'm meeting a girl at the club, yeah, I'm going to struggle because my mm. dancing is shit. You know, my, I look like a coffee house. No one wants to Like no one wants to see it, you know, like conversational energy though. Mm-hmm. We're sitting at a bar and I can maybe make a play. Like I might come out of that. Okay. I, I, I like start as a six, but like build my way into like a seven and a half. Yeah. I put for you biggest strengths. Looks an athletic build. It's no, it's no, it's no freaking secret. You're an attractive guy. You know, oh, you. that's that's obvious, and I have no problem saying that. Weaknesses. The biggest weakness, I think, is your addiction to the chase. Mm. I, I think you do enjoy the chase. I think you do enjoy <laughs> pursuing relationships more than you like being in relationships. That might be and, true. And I think, in addition to like loving the chase of you know a girl or whatever it may be. I think you do have a little grass is always greener for you because when you get into these relationships, like oh, I can always go back and you know get some more and get these chase going. So I do think that that's your weakness, man. That's you can't, interesting. you can't. It's not like you should settle. Is a has a very negative connotation, but I do feel like you love the pursuit more than you do sometimes love being in the mix. So I do think the chase kind of gets gets the best of you sometimes. Hmm. That's interesting. I might disagree a little, but okay, okay. there you go. There you go. All right, <laughs> next question from Dark Knight six two eight. Do you think that due to the circumstances of the cap this year, there might be some splashy first wave of free agent signings, but the second and third wave of signings will be better slash deeper than years past? So if the Niners draft a rookie quarterback and then trade slash cut Jimmy, they might actually be in a great spot cap-wise to fill out the roster with vets after the draft? Or should I just get myself emotionally ready for Jimmy at quarterback and Christian Barmore in the first after a small trade back? I do. Yes. like I think the second wave is going to be the biggest one because it's also going to be so many... I think we're still going to see cuts throughout the summer almost because teams are going to be in such kind of hectic where they're making this decision of, you know, I could sign this guy, but I need to create a little space to do so. Let me just drop off this one guy. And so I think you'll see cuts filter in throughout this week, throughout next week, throughout maybe the next month or so, maybe the next couple months. So I do think that that the second wave, like I don't want to, I don't think you really want to be the Cardinals here. Now, now JJ Watt, great player. But I think that's going to be kind of the high end of the market that you just bought in on with a lot of these guys who are going off the board right now. Do you, do you think there's any merit to – I've had a handful of San Francisco 49ers fans talk about this and that they're just going to continue to pick defensive linemen. You know what I'm <laughs> like that's why he, I think he adds the joke about getting Christian Barmore in the first because they've added Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, Nick Bosa, Javon Kinlaw in the first time in the past few years. Like, Do you think they're locked in? And again, from a process standpoint, the highest paid position – in the NFL right now, non-quarterback or pass rushers, that's you know, like sure. the, you know, edge and then defensive interior is right after that. Like, are they smart to do that? Do you think they're onto something there, or do you think that you know that's just where the value has met the board for San Francisco over years? That there's they're on something. I mean, they drafted what Solomon Thomas, and then 
or Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas and Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner, like they've loaded up when it's already been a strength. And then Javon Kinlaw. They obviously believe in having a strong defensive line leading to good results defensively. And it does. When you are that elite at that position, we've always said in the coverage versus pass rush debate, favorite coverage. But, you know, you can have a damn good defense if you got the Eagles D-line from 2017. When it's completely unblockable, and like what the Steelers was when Bud Dupree was healthy, that shores up a lot of holes on the back end, makes that coverage look a lot better, and just leads to, I mean, you guys can play more confident. Like, you can jump routes then at the cornerback position. So I do think there's, if you just keep an elite unit year in, year out, I would not blame a team for doing that. Now, Christian Barmore, I'm not sure that's really pushing you over the edge, but they could draft him, and it would not surprise me. I'm reading ahead here at some of the names of people that have submitted questions. Do you remember on the last mailbag where it was Jenny Toolarts? Yeah. Did you see it? I was like, I'm trying to see if that's a play on words, and you're like, no, I think that's just her name. And then we go, it's genital warts. Incredible. All right, this is from Papa Clutch 69 This is another Niners question. I like putting these together. I've gathered here today because the lack of Niner representation on the pod is staggering. I have have to ask the hardest-hitting question. Since Shanahan is arguably the most valuable coach in the NFL, going 6-10 and with a glorified practice squad, what is the offseason priority to win a Super Bowl in San Francisco, assuming no injuries and a pummeling of your Green Bay Packers in the NFC title game? Okay, that was that was uncalled for. Um, although if they get to the NFC title game, oh, that's a dub. That's a good season. Jesus, we're sad. <laughs> I know how sad is that. Um, I do think one Trent Williams. If you lose a left tackle there, here SOL. That's going to be tough to replace in that offense. So one Trent Williams. Two, you're not going to have a lot after that, but Jason Verrett, I don't think he's going to cost you a lot. I think bring him back for sure with why he, the way he played last year and need to. I don't know if Sherm will be back there. We'll see where he ends up. I think they won't cost too much to re-sign him and Verrett. Like, I think they could do it, and if you want to go one last run at it, by all means. But that's the quarterback position. That's the one I'm struggling with because I don't think it's Jimmy G. I don't think you're going to win at all with Jimmy G., but I'm not sure who's available out there and that you can get that you necessarily would unless you really make a play in this draft class. Now, I don't think you're going to win it with a rookie, but then maybe 2022 is the year that you do. So I, that's where I would go if I were them. Now, I would love Justin Fields. I think that is who I would want in that draft class for Kyle Shanahan, but I, I think they could be in the Mac Jones market too. We'll, we'll see. But that is... That's kind of what you got to do here if you're the 49ers. No, I would agree with you. I'm going to interject some of these questions with breaking news because we are in that franchise tag deadline right now. Joe Tooney just got the franchise tag Tagged. from the um, New England Patriots. Right now, I think the best, like we're running out of linemen. You know, Trent Williams, I think, might be the best available offensive lineman in Francie right now. Yeah. That has yet to receive the tag, obviously. But Tooney on the tag. I think Mouton is expected Scherf to get on the, the tag. double tag. Scherf on the double tag. If you're looking at, like, you know, I remember a lot of Cincinnati Bengals fans, early mailbag questions. Man, we grabbed Tooney, maybe Trent Williams, you know, Panay Sewell at five we really, and it's, it's starting to go away and this is why you draft offensive linemen when you don't need them I mean it's what Bucky Brooks said on the last episode it's like yeah. hey when I come from a background where these are the guys you draft quarterbacks and the big guys is what he said you know he's like you yeah. gotta draft pass rushers up front offensive tackles and those things alright let's now jump to future Finns GM nice. and, and that's why like Trent Brown gets top of the market deal because no one lets him get away yeah there you go your thoughts on the Joe Tooney tag though uh, I you got an asset. It's a valuable asset. I, and I think they're going to be in a play the Patriots this season 
they're not going to be in the comp pick formula. They, mm-hmm. they often are in the comp pick formula. I think they're going to be adding more talent than they're losing this season, which then at that point, tag and trade nets you a better pick than yeah. letting walk and getting nothing. So they got Joe Tooney now. Isaiah We're Wynn. Joe Tooney on the tag. That's Joe Tooney, Trent Brown, Isaiah Wynn. They got the space. Shaq Mason coming back from injury. I'm trying to build up a juggernaut up front. Michael Wainu. Oh, yeah, Michael Wainu. That's a... That's a good, team. Good right yeah. I like that. All right. Uh, from future Finns GM. Had a potential trade I wanted to run by you guys and get your opinion on. The Miami Dolphins stay put at three and draft Wilson or Fields. Ooh, I already like where this is at. Trade Tua to the 49ers after one season for the number 12 pick. More if they can swing it. Love that. And take a top three receiver. Pitts, Parsons, or take a top three receiver, Pitts, Parsons, etc. Is this something you could see either team going for? Can I start? Yes. I think... I love the idea of the Miami Dolphins trying to get the most value out of the number three overall pick by taking a quarterback. Whether that, you know, and, and if they do move on from Tua and you could get the number 12 pick for him, that would be, I think, a slam dunk in a lot of ways. Because you could add, obviously, you get um, either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. Who would you have Zach Wilson and Justin Fields ahead of Tua Tungavailoa? Where would you evaluate yes. those three quarterbacks? So you yeah. would. And if the Miami Dolphins do, and I've said this from the jump, I said this since January, if the Miami Dolphins are on the board at three and there's a quarterback available that they rate above Tua, you take them. Like, I think it's that simple. I think if, mm-hmm. and if you can obviously grab a trade offer for Tua Tunga by Loa, and I don't necessarily think the offer for Tua would be just a second round pick. Maybe number 12 is a bit rich, but we've talked about Kyle Shanahan before. He likes those types, those facilitator types. I think Tua could work really, really well in that 49ers offense. I think I could see San Francisco doing it, maybe not for 12, maybe like two second-round picks, one this year and one next year. But I really do like this move for Miami, especially if they like Wilson and Fields over Tua. And I love this move for San Francisco, maybe if they don't give up the number 12 pick. Yeah, if you can get a one for Tua, I think you do it. Absolutely. And it's not giving up on Tua. It's saying that those Wilson and Fields are better prospects than Tua coming out. And the rookie year, while not a death knell by any means – a lot of the guys who turn into the elite game changers hit, hit the ground running. We also haven't talked enough about the reports that have really come out on Tua. About you know, Tua like, yeah, from there's inside. been some You're of like, the that, that Miami Herald article about the world. Herald. The Miami Herald article that came out about some players in the locker room having disconnect in terms of wanting Ryan Fitzpatrick to start. Then you saw Fitzpatrick after he was pulled upset about that situation. Brian Flores dealt a bad hand in that situation. I don't know, man. Like it's been it's been interesting to see like some of those comments made about Tua Tungabailoa. But I don't and again, I don't I wouldn't tie in the Devontae Smith and um, Jalen Waddle comments about them preferring Mac Jones. They played more with Mac Jones, and that's where, like, you know, and you want to get Mac Jones paid. Yeah. You want to get him draft highly. But I think some of those reports you did see coming out of that article from the Dolphins' locker room are a bit concerning. And again, I do think it's a very simple game. If you like Wilson or Fields ahead of Tua and they're there, you take them. You always want the best quarterback, especially yeah. if you can recruit some of this Tua Tungabailoa value. And we talk about quarterback value all the time being sustainable, yeah. and you get a second-round pick. Josh Rosen, after having one of the worst rookie years we've ever seen from a quarterback, got traded for a second-round pick the following year. Yeah. Like If you can't get a, a second and another pick for Tua Tungabailoa after what wasn't a complete train wreck, I mean, that would be a bit concerning. So, And if you can't, I mean, does that not tell you everything? If you can't get even a second-round pick for Tua Tungamailoa, does not tell you everything about the quarterback you have under under contract? So it's an interesting conversation that I think got pushed away a little bit because we locked into the Dolphins just not doing it, wanting Chase, wanting mm-hmm. whoever. But 
I don't think it's like all that ridiculous. No, and it's not like giving up on Tua. I think there are Dolphins fans that are like, don't give up on Tua, build around him. It's like, it's not giving up on him. It's trying to get better than him. Yeah. Who doesn't want to just always get better, especially at the most valuable position in sports. All right. This is from Brad, one, two, two, three, four, four, five. With all these possible and existing holes for the Steelers, what would you prioritize in free agency and the draft? For example, I love you guys talking about the fit of Zayden Collins, and I think him and Bush would be scary next to each other. But is it worth it to have so many existing, since we have so many existing holes? They just got to go O-line. I feel like they're, they're too scarce along the offensive line right now. And prioritizing free agency, shit, they kept Big Ben. And yeah, they kicked some of it into future years, but they they don't have space like they don't have room still after that to add really they can maybe retain you can maybe get Alejandro Villain wave it back that's maybe your best case scenario but I don't think you're adding to this roster and so at that point it's got to be drafted and with the off considering this offense tackle class you'd just be stupid not to go in there uh, that it is too strong stupid strong word it's you'd be short-sighted not to go there it's too good of a class there's gonna to be too much talent that's gonna fall down boards because of it all right this is from big peen 76 do you think that's his name or a play on words that's probably his name okay uh if the lions can retain galladay somehow how do you feel about pits over uh over other receiver options in the first i know we have hawkinson but golf is buns and i think our run slash play action game could be pretty disgusting with that duo i don't think the lions should rule out pits because they have hawkinson for the same reason the niners shouldn't rule out pits because they have not even though kittle and hawkinson are i don't even consider in the same tier as players but like just because you have a quote-unquote good tight end i think hawkinson went to the pro bowl whatever that fucking means in today's NFL. he was third in the nfl in receiving third in the nfl in receiving at the position regardless yeah i don't think the lions can just rule out pits because they have hawkinson again there's not a, we've not said this a thousand it. times not redundant. there is a thousand there's not a single offense in the nfl that couldn't benefit from having pits on their roster yeah i don't think he's redundant i mean anthony linzer oc now I don't think he's done a ton of – it wasn't doing a ton of two tight end stuff last year. But, I mean, you can just use Pitts as a receiver. So, I, I don't hate it. I would probably personally just give me a guy. Give me that guy on the outside. Give me Jamar Chase. Give me that two wide receiver duo. It's, it takes a lot less thinking, you know. As an offense coordinator, you just – you send out Galladay and you send out Jamar Chase and they both can just win. And that's – you don't really have to game plan for them. That's probably where I would lean if I were them. But like like I said, Pitts is not redundant Hawkinson. Those two can coexist very easily if you're an offensive coordinator with, you know, a little creative spark, shall we say. All right. From Jason Levy, Bears. Where do the Bears go from here? It seems like the goal right now is to just save space and Nagy's save pace and Nagy's jobs with no real plans for the future. That's why you kind of don't want to give the leash like this. Because it is going to be save pace and eggs job, it's, it, I think you're going to see some short-sighted moves from the Bears this offseason, whether it's trading picks to go up, whether it's you know kicking some cap space in the future to add free agents right now. And so where do they go from here? They really are about, I think we've touched on this, they're about it in as purgatory as you can get in the NFL right now where if they had Deshaun Watson, they could win a Super Bowl. Can they get Deshaun Watson? Probably not. Can they get Russell Wilson? I don't think so. I this don't think is they're going to have enough to give it up. But I don't. But I don't think those would be short-sighted moves. But I think what they're going to end up doing, maybe going for 
Darnold or whatever could be short circuit boost. This is where I think, you know, obviously on the outside looking in, you can assume that Pace and Aggie are on the hot seat and they're going to make short-sighted decisions to keep their jobs. But a very valuable part of this is like, what have the conversations been between Pace and Aggie and the owner? Is the owner saying, hey, this is your year or nothing, or you're out? Because if it is, then you're going to force them to do some short-sighted dumbass shit sometimes. (laughs) But if the conversation between the owner, Nagy, and Pace have been, hey, don't overthink this. We're committed. Let's get out of this together in the next two to three years. Because if that's the conversation, you can see it. But if it's not... Or if it's the conversation like Shad Khan and Dave Caldwell and, gosh, who was just the Jaguars head coach, Doug Marone had, where it's like, hey, you guys are gone. After this, I'm going to get the whole roster. (laughs) I'm sorry. Again, I think that conversation is important, though, because that's going to very heavily impact the decisions that the Bears make. If you see the Bears kick a lot of cap space down like down the road like you said or, or make any of those short-sighted decisions they're obviously playing for their gigs but if you see them kind of roll into the season with you know Andy Dalton at quarterback you obviously know they're packing up shop and looking to rebuild in 2022 so I think it'll be interesting to see they're an interesting team to follow this offseason to use your favorite word from the previous episode interesting, interesting. Um, he had another question Jason Levy what moves do the Bucks make to repeat as Super Bowl champions honestly just retain I think there's a lot of reason to believe with the young roster that they had, guys like Devin White, the whole secondary. It could get better. Uh, they will be better in 2021 in a number of positions. Retain Levante David, retain Shaq Barrett. I don't really know how, care how, but do that. And then I'd say don't draft a running back in round one. Like you, you can draft other positions that will make an impact on your roster. I think they should be involved in this edge class round one or defensive somewhere along defensive defensive uh, line so don't draft from round one get like a michael carter in round two go get like a Dimitri felton go get a receiving back a little later on don't get that guy in round one but i think if you can re- if you can retain levante and Shaq, you should be they should be favorites in the nfc wow there you go all right this is from zad nine the Steelers may be prepping for a Big Ben retirement. Nope, not happening. They just got a contract extension. <laughs> Big Ben just got a contract extension. If Big Ben is cut retires, who's the best option for franchise? I want Jameis, blah, blah, blah. I don't think they're going to be in the QB market. This one's a little bit delayed. This one's from early March. Yeah. You didn't see the contract extension happening. Let's answer on the Steelers. How do the Steelers in 2020 or 2021 pursue a Super Bowl with Big Ben now under contract? Oof. Um, like I said, they can't do much. They just have to hope Big Ben turns around. That's how does Ben? Is there anything they can do offensively though to improve around him to help him turn around? You draft an offensive line in the draft, but no. I mean, like you have, you're banking on what you're banking on. Obviously, they changed offense coordinators. You're banking on a new offense. Big Ben, a year and a half removed from now, his elbow surgery, changing. That's that's what yeah. you got. I apologize, Dad, and I'm forgetting to your question late. Best of luck to Big Ben not being outside the top 20 in PFF grade next year. All right. This is from Joe underscore Boyd. No way PGH drafts a QB at 124. They have too many holes to fill in to fill to grab a non-top four QB. However, at what point do they consider going up for Lance if he falls? If I feel if he falls to say 114, that would be a good point to make the move. The conversation is somewhat like what Buff slash KC realm. The, the buff KC run from a home trade, but if the threshold, if there is a threshold, is there a threshold where you feel it would make too much sense? That was tough. The grammar on this thing is a disaster. It really, I don't think it was. No, it was. The PGH, <laughs> I think, threw me off. The I think PGH really threw me off. Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh. So, I would love for them to trade up for a quarterback in this class. Obviously, I say that about a lot of teams. But after it's because, the extension it's because it's ben? that good. I mean, it's not an extension. He's gone after this year. It is what it's going to be. 
I would love it because you don't have a guy. And I said, you take advantage of deep classes. You're too good of a roster to ever pick in the top 10. And you're too good of too well coached, all these sort of things. Big Ben got hurt. Everything was shit. You were starting Mason Rudolph and you were picking, what, 18th that year. And they trade away that pick, whatever. Um, it's just too good of a team. You're not going to find that guy. So take advantage of it when there is that outside shot of getting that guy. When there are four, quote unquote, guys. I'm saying a lot of guys here. That's when you go and do it. I, I, would, I think that would be a very good move for them. Because, again, you have to realistically look at how, many, how much impact a rookie can have very rare for a rookie outside of the top 10 to 15 picks to really hit the ground running your odds of that guy being what takes you over the edge of the Super Bowl this year is low it's admittedly low so you know do what's in the best long-term interest of your franchise these are decade-long decisions not this year decisions also I mean if Big Ben plays even just like 10 12 games next year like considering some level of injury like you're not going to True. be drafting inside the top 10 not a pinnacle of health Ben um, yeah, looks kind of like hell nowadays. <laughs> that guy's looking, but like I mean, I'm saying, realistically, he likely miles. plays 10 plus, 12 plus games, and the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't drafting inside the top 10 and are again in a position yeah. to trade up in 2022 class. So rather than like making that decision then or banking on that decision then, you know, burn the hand right now. If there's an opportunity to go trade up and grab like a Trey Lance or Justin Fields if they start to slip, I definitely agree that. But also because Big Ben was the pro- was why you not why obviously the the whole shit hit the fan against the Browns game, but. He was not good enough down the stretch. He was not, you're not going to win the Super Bowl with him the way he was playing football. Yeah. All right, this is from Tableau Expert. Jags fan here. It sounds like Cam Robinson is not coming back and Andrew Norwell is on the trade block. How do you think Urban Meyer's Jaguars will address the offensive line? This is weird to me because they have the most cap space in the NFL by $17 million and they're not bringing back. And yeah, Andrew Norwell's a little overpriced. And it's not... You'd rather not be paying him as much as you are going to be paying him this year, but you'd also rather he be on the roster. You know, you'd rather not have to replace a starting guard. So I'm not exactly sure where they're going with this. Maybe they are looking to make a play for Trent Williams. Some of the other big, maybe a tag going to be involved in a tag and trade for a Scherf or a Tooney. We'll see. But maybe they are. I would love it personally if they kind of sat this free agency out because we know about how the cap rolls over you're gonna if you a lot of the space they were would be saving this year would then go to 2022 which is realistically their window how many quarterbacks hit the ground running so hard on their rookie de- or in their rookie year that they've won the super bowl i don't think it's ever happened right no quarterbacks ever won a super bowl as a rookie to where you make those plays then you have that space all saved up for next year because free agents come along every year. There's no free agent class where it's like, oh, no, there's no one this year. No, every time, every year, guys hit the free agent market, and you can find starting caliber players for your roster. So that's kind of what I would love. Now, obviously, you don't want to throw Trevor Lawrence to the Wolves too much, and you'd like to have that solid off the line in place. But I think that could be an interesting strategy if that is what they're employing here and kind of just sit in this free agent season out. Maybe not like completely seeing it out, but I get what you're saying in that they're like, don't break the bank and yes. sign a bunch of long-term deals Correct. and put a lot of money on the hook when they're not like, yeah. we're not like 100% locked into what their needs are right now. Like I would wait and evaluate the roster and the holes in 2022 when your window is actually a little bit more legitimate than uh, the year one. All right, this is from 574, bro. Do the Colts go for Rashad Bateman to help out Wentz? I honestly think they make a play in free agency for a wide receiver. It is, there's too much talent available. 
Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin. We'll see how the tags shake out, but Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Will Fuller, Kenny Galladay, possibly. Too much talent available, not enough teams to cap space. I think they will firmly be in the market for one of those guys. But if not, yeah, go ahead. Go get you a Rashad Bateman. I'd love that. Dude, Rashad Bateman, we talked to Connor Rogers, uh, and this will be on the Wednesday episode. I mean, a lot of people are getting on board with him being closer to the tier one big three. Uh, even Bucky Brooks was like, you know, more watch him. Kind of got a crush on him. I think we're going to see Rashad Bateman. I don't think he slips out of the first round. That would be absurd. I, I think, think he'd so be a day two value if he does slip to the second. Because I do think in the, this is purely anecdotal, but the the smaller slotter got slot guys, the Kadarius Tonys, the Elijah Moores, they all often get overrated by kind of just outside media because they, they look cooler. But then the NFL will favor the guys who can play, you know, the, the ex wide receiver types who have that body. All right, next one. This is a four part question from Samuel Nichols, who's cheating the system. But you have to. Yeah, this is it. wild. Can you see the Saints drafting or trading up in the in the mid rounds to grab a quarterback such as Jamie Newman or Kellen Mond? If so, what do you think of it? Or would drafting Mac Jones be better? Saints, I would not love that because when we talk about the hit rate for non first round quarterbacks all the time, but also. They have so little young talent kind of now because they've only had 25 draft picks in the past five years. So they just haven't added a lot of rookies over the past years. Now they got the, the guys they have added are usually pretty good, but they just don't have a lot of them. So I think they, with all the sort of cuts they've been making and just kind of decimating this roster with anywhere they can save money, the depth is poor. You need to just replenish depth across the board. I think you need to use as many picks as you can to fill out guys who can actually see the football field for you. So there you go. Number two, what do you think the Saints drafting Aaron Robinson, the cornerback out of UCF, what do you think of them drafting Aaron Robinson, cornerback of UCF, with their first-round pick? I think it's a little high, but I do like the process of going cornerback there, even though maybe it doesn't look like a necessarily need on paper with Marshawn Lattimore, and I think Janoris Jenkins is still on the roster. I don't think they've cut him yet. But I do like the process. Would allow Aaron Robinson to play in the slot slot out of the start, too, which would be interesting. All right, number three. If Kyle Pitts or Jalen Waddell fall past 12 or 13, could you see Mickey Loomis trading up to grab one, the guy who loves to trade up? What would the potential deal look like and with who? I mean, I could see it. You know I could see it. Everyone can see it. should they is is the question that should be asking. Probably not, but... What would it take? I mean, it would basically, that's the thing, is it would take when you're sitting at pick 28, it would take the deal they did with the Packers a few years ago. It would take another first-round pick, and you're not in a position to be throwing away first-round picks like that anymore, sadly, with basically just without Drew Brees, a quarterback. All right, number four from Samuel Nichols. Should the Saints explore trading up to grab one of the top four quarterbacks using a blue-chip player who's a cap casualty or potential cap casualty? Now this I can get up board with. We're going to be fine with. Because quarterback, we talk about, is a different animal from a value perspective, and you are not not really in a position to get one. So, anytime soon. Now, it's again, this would this might take too much. Is the other thing like you, to get one of those guys? You're going to have to go all the way up to 10, 11. That's just going to be. It's not only going to be a first for next year, probably a second this year. You're just going to give up a ton for that guy, and then no, and then you're going to be getting the kind of also ran. You're going to be getting not the pick of the litter. So. I'm not sure I would, it would be, the juice would be worth the squeeze there. Jumping now to Carson G. Williams. I'm interested in getting started in the draft industry. What types 
what tips would you give a high school senior if you were in my shoes? Say so just live, dude. Just go to college, enjoy yourself, develop as a human being. I don't think there's, I would not start doing draft analysis. I mean, like do it, if you enjoy it, watch it, do it as a hobby, but don't, there's no, there's no leg up to really grinding that early. You'll burn out and not enjoy it. Like you might even find something else you're passionate about in college. But if you really want to do get into football and you love it that much, the thing I would recommend more than anything else is actually getting involved with a football program. I don't know if you play football or whatnot, but you can be a student manager at your football program and then maybe even a grad assistant, but like get involved in the game to actually learn the game. It's the best thing you can do. I would not just start writing about the draft and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It take until you have an actual basis of knowledge about the game of football that's like strong excess nose. So there you go. I would definitely I would definitely pursue college, get into college and, and pursue some level of degree in in like if you're looking at the draft media industry at a communications degree, at a journalism degree, sports journalism, whatever it may be. And I'd also say, you know, definitely don't just like start your website now as a high school senior. Grow your base of knowledge both in football and in media. Like developing skill sets in media like writing and those things write and read every single day read about football and and just develop as like like you said a base of a, as a senior in high school develop a basis of knowledge we've given a lot of tips to people who are like soon to be college graduates mm-hmm. that's where you're ideally in a position where you already have a basis of knowledge and you can start con- con- contributing to or creating content on your own website your own youtube channel etc but as a senior in high school I would definitely like that's your opportunity to learn about the game and get to your junior or senior year in college. And if you are still interested in pursuing, have this wealth of knowledge already to a point where you could start a website, start a YouTube channel and all those things. Yeah, that's what I say, like gain the knowledge about the game because a lot of people like football. A lot of people love love it, want to work in it. Not a lot of people know football that well, like to really be able to know the inside and out of like what goes on on a particular play. And when you do, when you have – when you It'll come from a team background where you're in a team in some capacity. It gives you such a leg up. In Absolutely. In terms of understanding the game, 100%. Yeah. All right. This is definitely not tie. F the Raiders. Oh, you, the Raiders. You, you, you deleted the I. If the Raiders were to look to trade Trent Freudian. Brown, which they did, what is realistic value for them? They already traded him and it was swapping a seventh round pick. Or no, they got a fifth round pick in return for Trent Brown and a seventh round pick to the New England Patriots. What was your opinion of that trade? I... I'm very intrigued by what the hell they did this off in the offensive line group this year. If there was like a mini offensive line revolt or something, because Gabe Jackson, long tenured starter there, they cut kind of out the blue. Richie Incognito was only on the books for like $6 million a year. When he was healthy, he was one of the best guards in the NFL. I don't know what his injury prognosis is or whatever, if he's going to come back healthy at all this year. But I mean, he was 37 years old. You weren't banking on him being a pinnacle of health anyway. That's like, the risk you run when you sign guys like that. So $6 million for a guy who could be the best guard in the NFL if he's on the field seems like not a huge price to pay when, you know, we've seen how Derek Carr is under pressure. That's kind of his MO is when he's under pressure, turns into a pumpkin. So I don't know what the plan necessarily is here, but I think I've also said that before about the Raiders. Trent Brown tweeting out three smiling emojis when he got traded. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. And then John Feliciano. Also, wait, can we bring up Trent Brown's tattoo, the goat of all tattoos? Can you describe it accurately to people listening to a podcast? It's him uh, with Big Peen 76 in his mouth. <laughs> in, in a girl. It's him having a threesome, basically, on his shoulder that like you can see when you're just watching the game. There's two girls on top of him. It's and how he actually has, our guys who do the player participation identify him. Yeah. He, and 
and he has a vastly he's like yoked in it like he's jacked <laughs> in his own tattoo even though he's you know 380 pounds in real life maybe not quite that uh slender yeah say. i mean i don't think it was it's hard to speculate on whether or not it was an offensive line room revolt in las vegas with gabe jackson richie incognito and now trent brown out of the building but i do think it was a misevaluation of Trent Brown. I mean, I know he didn't play a lot, and you don't assume that, but you made him the highest-paid offensive tackle in the NFL. Yeah. Like, after one really good season, or moderately, he earned, one what, 73.4 PFF grade with the New England Patriots. The one season in his career, he's played more than, like, 700 seasons. I mean, he was about the same in Las Vegas and Oakland. Yeah. It was the same guy. You, got, you got what we saw. He just was not healthy ever the top five player top tackle in the nfl that was you know deserved of that contract all right this is from balu dream my question is about my beloved yet consistently poor drafting raiders here we are my opinion is our offseason on our offseason mentality cut out the large and honestly stacked dead cap weight players brown williams mariota bring in affordable cap casualties free agency free agent defensive veterans richard sherman melvin ingram yannick Ngakwe, to help mentor young raw talented defense maybe try and sign one of the blue chip safeties if financially possible if given GM duties and all those guys are gone, what would you? What would your offseason plan be? Yeah, I think it's the year to chill. Like maybe take it easy. Maybe reassess and say where where were we going wrong? And, and the big money deals. It is difficult to gain an edge on those big money deals. You make those big money deals the top end of the market if you're close. If that's the guy that's getting you the ring or putting you in that ring conversation. That's when you that's when you go make a play like that. You don't make a big money deal to make a play like that if you think if to try to like restart my roster. I'm resetting my roster by making this guy the highest paid player in the NFL's position. That's usually not a good strategy. And, and ironically, I think their best free agent signing of the past couple of years was Nick Kwiatkowski, the guy they signed for like pennies, mm-hmm. the, the very definition of a mid tier free agent. Actually played well for them last year. So. That's where I would go if I'm going anywhere. And so, like I said, cap casualties, those sort of guys. Yeah, I'm not I'm not laying out big dollars. You need to reassess kind of that strategy and how that's worked out the last two years. I think you hit the nail on the head that it's very difficult to gain legitimate edges around like big money contracts and free agency. Because, Everyone, I mean, the, they gave they gave seventy nine and a half million dollars guaranteed to Tyrell Williams, Marcus Joyner, and Trent Brown. And like those, even at the time was a little bit skeptical in terms of those guys really living up to those expectations. They also signed Antonio Brown to a big deal then, but I think that all became void when he frosted his foot and all those other things. But I do think that they went into that offseason trying to shoot the moon and they did it with mid-tier to at their best above average players. Like that again is just a very risky decision to make as you see now. And they did a really good job and I tweeted this I think in 2019 of structuring those contracts to where they could get them all off the books with no dead money by 2020. But I don't think they signed them with that intention and that they'd be releasing them that early. So I do think that um like I said, they tried to shoot the moon, they tried to really push and 79 8 and 8 over the past 2 years, it's been obviously a bit of a concern there in Las Vegas. I think this is your time in addition to chilling. I think that was your official answer. Reevaluate your process. Sure. Take a second, get in front of the whiteboard, Mayock, Rudin, and any other decision maker and be like, these are the decisions we've made. How the fuck did we, <laughs> where did we go wrong? You know, like what, what, what is wrong with our process? It's always important to be self-aware about the decisions you're making, whether you're making them at the highest degree in the NFL and trying to make a multi-million dollar business happen or even in, in smaller business decisions and those things. All right, Hambone99, what would you do to address this quarterback situation in Washington with a couple weapons? Could Taylor Heineke actually work in D.C.? Next one, too, is about the D.C. Okay, next one, too. This is from Cheesy Burritos. 
What do you think the Washington football team should do in this upcoming offseason? Is the quarterback the most important thing to address or perhaps getting someone to throw to besides Terry McLaurin? If they were going to do quarterback at 19, I'd only see Mac Jones really being available. If you were the GM, would you roll with Heineke and hope his elite play can carry beyond last season's small sample size, sign Jameis or Cameron Frenzy, or trade up and make a play for a draft prospect? Man, the Heineke, you'd have to add someone else there. Yeah. I think. I refuse to just go Heineke. If you're yeah. going to just go Heineke, you should also add Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jameis, Dalton, or Newton on the uh, for pennies and free agency. Yeah, like at least get someone else to compete. Someone else to compete because like if you roll in Heineke, there's I don't want to say there's no chance to do this, but like what, six different teams, five different teams have seen him, told them, hey, sorry, it's not you, it's me, and then kicked him to the curb. But I would go wide receiver and free agency first off. Yes, get hit, get another weapon. That we've talked about again. Deep free agency class wide receiver. A lot of talent there. You got the space. One guy. By all means, go get that guy. And then you're playing in the Jameis Cam Darnold tier. It's not a great place to play in. I'll be honest. I don't like it. No, no one, one likes, likes it. it. I've said and will continue to say, go make a play. Go take a 2022 first rounder take a 2021 second rounder and go up to see where you can go to the Bengals pick to the Falcons pick if that's even reasonable see make the call, get on the phone mm-hmm. if that's not reasonable well shit then it's not but that is where I would go because I do think that you just can't you just have to be better than where you are and you have to be better than Jameis Cam Darnold you just have to be better than that tier but that's yeah that's like I mean they're in a position with enough talent on the roster to push their chips in you know yes. it's time yep. it's like hey let's push the chips in let's go get our guy whether that's Fields or Lance maybe Wilson if he starts to slip inside the top five inside the top six picks make the deal that has to be made to trade up obviously take a risk in giving up future capital but try and do it because our roster is good we like Chase Young we like Deron yeah. Payne Montez Sweat um, obviously Terry McLaurin we add someone in free agency like maybe we can get there maybe we can especially in a bad division yeah. we're like this one's up for grabs you won it last year yeah. with Alex Smith you know and, I mean you can get there I think definitely and, shooting the moon or pushing the chips in is the way to go and the thing is they're good because of their youth which is that's where you want to be mm-hmm. you want to be good because you're rookie, you're rookie contract guys when you're good because you're rookie contract guys like I said every year you can find free agents every year you can find guys in their second contracts to fill out rosters not every year can you find Chase Young Montez Sweat Jeremy Lawrence Oh, even Cameron Cruel is playing well for them in the yeah. back end. Like they've so. done a really good job with some of the rookies they brought in over late uh, over the past few drafts. All right, this is from Aruben27. My question is, how much do you think player marketability goes into an NFL team's draft analysis? For example, do you think the Giants saw Saquon as an elite talent, but also someone who could bring in an organization a lot of financial value? This is a great question. Yes, and honestly, I think it does far more than they give it credit. And I think this is very prescient with the Dak Prescott situation where – if Dak Prescott's that guy for 20 years, it just makes you, you know, quarterback from start to finish for his career. It has value to a franchise that's we don't account for on the outside looking in. 100%. Because we that, are looking at every decision as what wins me the most Super Bowls. Yeah. But a lot of the times, and this doesn't get brought up enough, that's not always like the only or primary incentive for front offices, ownership, and all those things. It's to make a lot of money. These are businesses. Like These are teams brand. trying to make money. You know, like when it's all said and done, yes, that's winning Super Bowls. Yes, that's drawing in more fans and, and building dynasties. But it's also marketable players, 
ticket sales, jersey sales, all those things. Yes. That's why, you know, we talked to Solomon Wilcox all the time, who's a colleague here at PFF. Mm-hmm. And when we brought up the Christian McCaffrey contract, when he first signed that, he's like, you know what? Like a lot that goes into this is that McCaffrey is like their guy, their star. It moves what, the needle with it, it moves. It's the, highest, it's the highest selling jersey in Carolina every year because of the markability of Christian McCaffrey. I definitely think it gets more factored in than we give it credit for. Yes. And I'm glad I don't have to because it just seems like it just seems like at the end of the day, winning will bring fans. That 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 kind of decision. But what's easier to do? Prioritize. I mean, it's easier to just yeah market around a guy. That's what I'm saying. Like what you know, what, you got to think about it from an ROI perspective. Mm. You know, like what's your return on investment on giving yeah giving Christian McCaffrey a lot of money, but not necessarily going to Super Bowls versus like really trying to hit on these picks, really trying to invest all of your resources in like building a super team that can sometimes like not always pan out. You don't get to keep guys like McCaffrey and Kamara maybe that are super marketable yeah. and those things. So it's an interesting conversation. I love the question. Uh, from Bre, Mr. Reaper, I think, 47. Given that patching the secondary is a weak link philosophy and that average slot cornerbacks generate the same war as outside cornerbacks, this guy's a smart cookie. Why do guys like Molden, Javon Holland, Asante Samuel Jr., always seem to fall out of the first round when they could get great slot players. I, I want to start. Can I start? You just fucking hammered PFF buzzwords there. Just I did. He did. PFF bingo. He wins. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Um, I, want to, I think, yes, from a on-field value perspective, due to some of the research that PFF has done with wins above replacement, PFF grading, and those things, slot cornerbacks can be more valuable than where they're often drafted. However, you're playing in the market the NFL has set. Slot cornerbacks still don't get paid a ton of money. And, you know, and, and while there is like a market inefficiency in there that slot cornerbacks are more valuable than their average contracts in the NFL, you still have to play the cards you're dealt. You're playing in the market you're in. Like regardless of whether or not you think an In-N-Out burger is worth 20 bucks, you can get it for six. You know, you can get, or I don't know how much an In-N-Out burger <laughs> is these days. I miss California. I'm sorry. But you have to you have to play in the market you're in. You don't overpay for something if you don't have to, is yeah. I think my official response to that question. And also, Desmond King's free agent. It's a pretty damn good slot corner. You can just go get him. You know exactly. He's not going to cost you that much in free agency. Mike Hilton's in free agency too. Yeah, you can go get those guys. So, and it won't cost you that much. And that's I can again. That comes back to you got to play the market, and that's the NFL does not quite agree with our valuation. So we would see it as market inefficiency. Go ahead and get those guys in free agency. Go sign up for cheap. Go get them in the third round and improve your roster. All right, Philadelphia Eagles question from B12 Bobby at number six. Would you take a quarterback? Take Kyle Pitts over Chase and Smith since the Eagles are most likely cutting ties with Ertz and would create a good duel with Goddard or prioritize receiver with Chase or Smith or trade back and get multiple picks and select Rashawn Slater as we desperately need younger offensive line. There's a quarterback on the board. I'm taking that quarterback. Uh, Love Jalen Hurts. Love the the leadership he brings to the table. Love the intangibles. I don't love the tangibles. I, I I just don't believe in him as a passer. So... And I love what he could do. You know, do you know how much he scored? I think he was. <laughs> I think he was drafted to be a backup quarterback. He was drafted to be that second option. That's his destiny. And so I, I'm going quarterbacks on the board. If not, trying to trade back. If not, taking Cal Pitts because fuck Cal Pitts is sweet. And Cal Pitts and Goddard. I, I think it's Cal Pitts and Goddard. When you have another guy next to Cal Pitts like that, I think that's just a dynamic sort of duo with I think Sirianni what he's shown would take advantage of that's kind of what they've run a lot of two tight end stuff this is from crown furtive assuming there will be another live broadcast during this year's draft there will it's going to be sick 
What are the chances that Renner can host this one? Listening to Turtle from Entourage last year was pretty rough. Is he calling George Chahuri Turtle from oh, Entourage? No. Let us pray that George is not listening. What does Turtle from Entourage look like? Not like George. Honestly, like that's that's not a good comp. I'm not I'm not sure what a good comp for George would be, but I don't know what Turtle, Turtle from Entourage is a tough, looks like. Turtle, I don't, so here can I Jerry I'll, I'll just, whatever his name is Jerry. Pull it up. Ferreira. Um I will say this though, having you as host I think would be difficult because I think you need to be the color commentator. Yeah, I'm not a host. Here. Looks I guess when Turtle got skinny, he was a little That doesn't look like George. Not quite. I think the the person who's host has to be a facilitator, an orchestrator, a field general, as I've said about other quarterbacks and stuff. I think you have to be like, my opinion isn't great, and I have to like just compi- continue to distribute to guys like you, Steve Palazzolo. Yeah. If it's if I was host, I'd just be talking the whole exactly, time. Exactly, and that's what you don't want. Like you need to be a point guard in that situation. But uh, I think the turtle comp was I'm right. the hammer. Someone <laughs> else needs to swing the hammer. Easy. Is that what you told the girl in the text? <laughs> All right, Blake Delalo or Dalo. Uh, love the pod. I'm a huge Bears fan, but I'm scared to death of the idea of trading for Sam Darnold. Don't worry. Never liked him at USC, and he's meeting my expectations of him in the NFL. Do you think there's any way the Bears can tag and trade Robinson and two firsts to move up to second or third pick and take Zach Wilson or Justin Fields? That would be sick. <laughs> if, the, if the Bears could pull off a tag and trade of Robinson and two first-round picks to go up and get like a Fields or Wilson – would be incredible. I don't there's think that's also, likely. I think there's about a 0% chance, approximately. Maybe a 0.1. It's it's not happening. I'm sorry. I don't love that move for the Jets or the Dolphins. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> look at the other person's point of view. There's like, oh, shit, we still don't have a quarterback. And we're drafting 19th. Maybe no, if you throw... Now we're drafting 20th. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. But, I mean, not second or third, but Fields falls down the board. You could see maybe like Philly being interested in something like that it could see somewhere towards the end of the top 10 being something like that but no and i actually like darnold in that offense i think darnold to the bears and i if i I, to address that first part yeah like i don't think you should be nervous or that scared of sam darnold to chicago it's like hey (laughs) you scared of sam darnold that he said he's scared he's scared for his life that sam darnold's (laughs) coming to chicago one i don't think it'll cost that much and two like if you can't put together like a super deal like that or a super trade, it's not like your worst case. I mean, it's not like the worst case scenario, in my opinion. I think the worst case scenario is like re-signing Trubisky. Like, but I, I think trying to go get Sam Darnold, if it doesn't pan out, pace Nagy gone, you're drafting inside the top three and you go and get a guy like Spencer Rattler in 2022. Next question's from JJ Hooday. Hey guys, love the pod. You all put out great content. I seen Wilson... I've seen a lot of Wilson QB2 pushback from people in the draft community, mostly focused on Fields' slow processing being due to the Ohio State offense, full field reads, slow developing routes, option routes, etc. Do you see any validity to this, or do you think Fields' processing is still a major concern? I think it still is a major concern. I think that's why he's... I truly do, don't think he's going to go one or two. I think it's going to be Lawrence Wilson one, two. And you go to those games... Indiana game, Northwestern game, were, they were not good. Like they were massive concerns in those games, and just inability to. I think his performance against the Blitz is the most concerning of those. But sixty-one point four passing grade and fifty-five point eight passing grade. You, you don't, you didn't see that on Lawrence's tape this past year. You didn't see that on Wilson's tape this past year. And not that that's a death knell and that you can't have any bad games, but we're talking about high-end differences here. Like we're talking about guys who are elite elite prospects we're not just talking about run-of-the-mill quarterback prospects like any other year 
you can't in this conversation really you got to be bringing a lot to the table and i think fields just has that little weakness to his game right now that is the differentiator why he's third on the board i'm gonna interrupt the mailbag again to correct myself because i'm an idiot i read the tweet wrong joe tooney is not getting tagged adam schefter sent out a report that said he is not getting tagged by the patriots and i missed the knot so he's still available in free and see will test the free agent waters Bengals fans reunite you can go get joe tooney sorry donnie hustle i feel like an idiot I feel like an idiot as well. This is from Donnie Hustle 8. Been seeing a couple different outlets having Wilson QB1 over Lawrence. Is there any legitimacy to that or people bored slash looking for clicks? Additionally, seen a couple comps for Wilson that gave him Mahomes-like traits. My initial reaction is comparing anyone to Mahomes is stupid and is going to get guys overdrafted. Feel like comparing prospects to outliers is a recipe for disaster. Rugs getting the Tyreek Hill comp comes to mind. Would love your thoughts or co- on comping players to outliers. Sorry for the long question. Go Irish. I think comping players to outliers is often either lazy or just don't like you don't watch enough nfl to maybe both lazy yeah so uh, i think oftentimes it's just your inability to separate how a guy looks against lesser competition versus how a guy sh- will look against better competition just like the difficulty and because like everyone's faster in the nfl game so like everything speeds up there's just you guys move and look different at the college game because they're going up against guys who aren't playing in the NFL oftentimes. So I do think it's, like I said, amateurish or lazy to make those real high-end comps unless you think that guy is going to be at that level. Now, Zach Wilson does not have that caliber of arm. He just straight up doesn't. He doesn't have that level of arm strength that Patrick Mahomes has to that Brett Favre has. That's, he, is, he has good arm, but we don't have to get into hyperbole here. It's not that level. And the Wilson over Lawrence stuff, I think I've said before, Wilson's high-end plays this year. His special throws, the whatever you want to call it, the arm talent on display, off platform, was better than anyone else's in college football this year. Could he be better than Lawrence? Yeah, there's a range of outcomes for all these guys. Lawrence is just far more polished and far more NFL ready, and you feel far more certain about who he's going to be at the NFL level. And, oh, yeah, he has some pretty damn good tools in his own right. It's not like we're working with, you know, it's not like a, it's not like a Joe Burrow versus Zach Wilson conversation where one's a much more physically talented. It's like I think Trevor Lawrence is probably more physically talented than Zach Wilson is with what he brings to the table. So, yeah, I, I don't – I just can't get on board with Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence at that point. This is from Lord of Moore. Number one, Kyle Pitts is obviously talented, but I'm concerned his skill set is being overvalued. Isn't he basically Chase Claypool, or are we overdrafting a tight end yet again? He's a year younger than Claypool was coming out, 10 pounds heavier than Claypool was coming out, already a better blocker than Claypool, at least obviously in line. Claypool didn't really block in line, but has improved a lot year on year as a blocker. At that point, I think it's the the thing that's, the selling point of Kyle Pitts, the kind of why you're putting him in that tier of Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, even though it doesn't separate like those guys. And we wouldn't say that otherwise if if he was just considered a wide receiver, he'd be just he'd be a little bit below that tier. It's because of teams are going to treat him like tight end. You can dictate matchups when teams treat you like a tight end because they're going to have to treat him like a tight end because of the fact that he can actually block. 
you can actually block teams are going to have to match you with either linebacker or safety or whatever they can't go to nickel can't go to dime when he's on the field and at that point that is what that's the selling point is that you get created favorable matchups where he's always going to win he's always going to beat a linebacker you know he's always going to beat a lot of safeties in the nfl maybe he's not going to beat all the corners in the nfl but he's going to beat a lot of safeties and a lot of linebackers and that is why he is the different that's why he's kind of the unicorn in this class question two from lord of moore can you please go a little deeper on Landon Dickerson, the Alabama center, Florida State transfer? You've mentioned that he's good, he has a nasty demeanor, and that football guys will love him and his late-season injury, but why is he good? Is he a generational center? Can he fit in any scheme? What's his ceiling? He just really wants a breakdown Breakdown. of Landon Dickerson. I will say, and we talked to Connor Rogers recently, Landon Dickerson's valued highly by a talented offensive line evaluator and Brandon Thorne. His tape is right up there with Frank Ragnall for the best we've ever seen in center position. It's good. He has... Torn the same ACL twice. He has, uh, I think it was another ankle injury. He's had three seasons kind of derailed via injury over the time in his career. That's a bad, it's a bad start, you know, and we don't value interior off the line that highly to begin with. And so that's kind of where we are. And I was like, am I really going to go first round? And we said Frank Reagan, I was first rounder. Am I really going to go first round a guy with like a Frankenstein ACL in his left knee at this point? Probably not. And probably so much built up scar tissue because of that. What kind of run game scheme is to see best fit? I think he's better fit for a gap scheme. I don't think he's necessarily limited though. I think he can do whatever. I think he can play in any scheme in the NFL because Alabama's was a very diverse scheme in their own right. They did a lot of different stuff. So I, I don't think he's super athlete. He's not, like I said, he's probably better in a gap scheme. He's not super exceptional on the move. You'll get, you know, swam at times like guys will you'll whiff at second level at times but he's just a very solid center that you're going to be getting if healthy is the biggest thing though this is from hxfhgfvjj i think that's dynamite name name. seems like everyone had marvin wilson as a top 15 player before the season or at least a first rounder since then he's then dropped way way down everyone's boards i didn't get a chance to watch many florida state games this year good for you so i've been surprised to see this is uh, this is i was very impressed with him in 2019 curious your thoughts can i start yeah i talked to marvin wilson last night it's going to be on a future episode and i talked specifically about kind of how you know this season did not go as planned for florida state or yourself and one of the first things he brought up he played really heavy last year he's down 25 30 pounds i think he said like he played really heavy and he said he's received some feedback about some concerns about his weight he came down a lot he wants to be in the 305 range apparently played at the 325 330 range oh. so i think some of that could have been it but i think another part of it too is like he really spoke to like the entire organization entire program at florida state really struggling with covid19 some of the outbreak stuff and like getting through this season i mean mm-hmm. it's why i think you saw other prospects on florida state you know not maybe pan out as well i do think and why they were scared of playing clemson maybe why they were scared of playing clemson but i think he was you know he was very very honest about you know this past season just not meeting expectations and him wanting to mm-hmm. prove a lot of people wrong and show things and i thought he had a lot of interesting things to say about his pass rush plan and how he wants to get slimmer to be faster at the line of scrimmage yeah obviously not like moving him way up boards after that interview but it was nice to hear him at least be candid about like why he, this season was so shit he moved way up before you can be honest he moved way up before no but it's a good his sort of draft arc is a good traits versus performance conversation if you have elite elite traits you you don't need to necessarily perform exceptional on the football field you your draft value kind of stays high no matter what you did on the football field this year like jason Oway, 
he was not exceptional on the football field, but he was always going to go first round after this year because of what first or top of the second, because of how what physically he brings to the table. He was never going to fall too far. When you are maybe an average athlete for the position like a Marvin Wilson, when you have average explosiveness, average play strength, you can still go top 25, top 30. Like you can still go highly. You just got, you have to be that guy in the football field array though. You have to have that performance level that is elite. You have to be dominant because that is what your selling point is, is that you're good at the game of football, not necessarily that you are this freak athlete that can develop into something more. You have to be, oh, I'm good something. I'm something right now already. So when you go from a 90.7 overall grade in 2019 to a 67.7 this past season, and you said battling all these things, whatever, all of a sudden that elite performance is not there. Mm-hmm. And that's why a guy who has you know average physical traits is then going to fall down boards. What's wild is he's a former five-star. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's strong. Is, uh, his, you said average play strength. I was like kind of stunned by that. I said physical traits. Oh, okay. Not play strength. This is, he, is, he is still an ox, but explosiveness, that's yeah. speed, quicks, twitch, not not quite his game. I'm interested to see like if he do, like if weight was that big of an issue for him, if he does come down, if he obviously that helps with He was low at the Senior thing. Bowl, though. How much did he weigh in at Senior Bowl? God, top of my head. I'm going to guess. Three tens? No, I'll guess under 310. I think it was like 308. Okay. I think he said he wants to play in the 300 to 305 range, which I think at the Senior Bowl, you didn't see him show all up either. I remember the Marvin Wilson Senior Bowl was like a big opportunity for him too, and you just didn't see it. Oh, he was 319. I'm an idiot. No, he was heavy. I think he's trying to come down, and I think it could be be interesting for his stock as we kind of move forward. It was cool to talk to him, though, because that was one of those prospects that I loved in 2019. Super excited about him and Florida State in 2020, but just didn't get to see it this next year. Let's finish. heavy. Let's finish with this question here, and then we'll kick to the mailbag on Thursday for the rest here. We're going to continue to grind these out. Remember, five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will get there. This is from Soto underscore Shuffle. Should the Patriots take a mid-round flyer at quarterback like Mills, Newman, or Mond, he could sit sit compete with a low-tier starter like Brissett. I think the sit was a typo. He could compete with a low-tier starter like Brissett at the start. He eventually become the starter. It would be a more elegant way to tank, and maybe you would get lucky. If so, what would you suggest? I've been all for that. I've been all for taking a mid-round flyer at quarterback and starting him for 16 games. If he's shit, yeah. he's shit. If not, you freaking get a Spencer Rattler in 2022 or a Sam Howell, Keaton Slovis in 2022. The last thing I want them to do is take this bridge quarterback everyone keeps kicking the can around. You know, like a Dalton, a Jameis, a Darnold. Even Darnold's probably not a mid-tier starter. I think Darnold's a, a good way to tank as well, but like... I think it's Darnold or a day two quarterback or Jared Stidham. And if yeah. if you start them for 16 games and if they only win two or three games, that gives you the best opportunity to win a Super Bowl in the next five years. Not winning eight games with Jameis or seven games with Newton again or whatever it may be. Yeah, I don't like being in the that conversation, the Newton-Jameis. I, I don't like going that route because I don't think you're – I still don't think that's taking you to the playoffs, which is where – you want to go. That's why. That's why you'd be signing that guy's because you think you're good enough to make the playoffs. And against a team, I, I don't know if I'd want Bridge or if I'd want mid round quarterback either because it's still a team that needs a ton of young talent. So it needs to replenish with young talent. I mean, if Joe Tooney's walked, like how many guys? Obviously, Joe Tooney not, wouldn't be on his rookie contract, but how many guys they have contributing on rookie contracts at the moment? Not a ton. Isaiah Wynn, Michael Wainu, Michael Wainu, Sony Michelle. Yeesh. It's like, yeah, yeesh. It's it's not, they're not a lot. JC Jackson. There. That's another one. There you go. There's, so, a, there's a handful. Every team has a handful. They've like drafted but they're in the not, last five years. They have, just have not drafted well. So yeah. that's where you, you got to, 
you just got to turn that around. So I don't know if, you know, that, yeah, I actually kind of do like the day two talent. They're all interesting in my opinion, but you just need to hit on draft picks better. Day two talent with some tools, baby. Get Kellen Mond, get Chris Moore or Chris Sims guy on day two or day three even and and see what he does and play him for 16 games. Try to develop him. See if you can get some of those tools out of him. And if he wins three games, good for you. You're in a very good position to know. Or if he doesn't, say he wins like seven games, you could probably convince the Jets to trade a second rounder for him or something. Like, I don't think it's dumb to go out there and, and put an unproven talent at quarterback that could develop into something better than you think, but more likely than not, will get you in a position to draft a top three quarterback in 2022. That's going to do it for the bonus listener mailbag. Make sure you turn into Wednesday's episode. We have Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report on. We're doing a deep dive of the wide receiver class. Also interviews with Christian Derisaw and Rashad Weaver on the Wednesday episode. Until next time, Austin Gale, producer Quinn, in spirit, Mike Renner, 2 for 1 drafts.